happening, guys? Happy Friday! And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Coming up on today's show, I'm giving Dan Hooker a new nickname. The bullet defied my wishes, and Henry Cejudo is saying things again. That's all coming up later. But I want to begin today's show with an important question related to where we ended on Wednesday. Do you want John Jones cut? Do you want John Jones cut? Take a moment. Think about your answer. Now, if your answer was yes, I want to follow up. And this is intrinsic. This is personal. As you hear this, this is personal to you. If you want John Jones cut, my next question is why? That answer would be obvious. To hurt him. To punish him. Right? Are you sure you want him cut then? If you want to hurt and or punish him, are you sure that you want him cut? If you release a guy, you have no control over that guy. And you can attempt to guess what the market will bear. But if you still have him under contract, you will control that answer. And if you release John Jones with the spirit of hurting him in mind, you see where it starts to become a problem. It starts to become a little bit more complex. I mean, I will just remind, let, let me remind you some of the things that the UFC does not do and has not done since the night John fought Dominic Reyes. They haven't handed John a paycheck. John is unemployed. John is currently unlicensed. There's steps and hoops to go through. He does not have sponsors. He is not in the process of writing a book. He does not have an autograph signing coming up. He does not put on seminars. I mean, in all fairness, that's a big punishment. You economically sanction somebody, for goodness sakes, world powers do this to one another. It is that effective. It is that damaging. So if the idea of releasing John is coming from a standpoint of, I want to punish him, I want to stick it to him, let me give you guys a quick story, and I realize how these are not the same, but I think that you will realize some of the commonalities, Junie Browning. Do you guys remember Junie Browning? I could not cite for you the season of The Ultimate Fighter that Junie was on, but it was early and he was interesting. Now, he was interesting for all of the wrong reasons. He drank too much. He had a big mouth. He was a jerk. He wasn't near as tough as he thought he was. I mean, you could go right through it. But for television, he was absolutely compelling. I used to tune in to watch him. I watched every single week. I not only can't tell you the season it was, I can't tell you who the coaches were. I could not tell you one other athlete that was on there. If you gave me some names, yes, I could identify athletes that were on The Ultimate Fighter, but for this specific time, I only remember Junie. I only remember that. And the guys, because of Junie's behavior, wanted him sent home. It was a big deal where Dana had to come in and speak to him and go, guys, what is it he's done? They laid out their case. Well, he drank this and he said this and he acted in this way. And she said, Dana says, okay. He's eligible. I've got the power. I can do it. But do you want me to wave that wand or would you like me to keep him around so you can compete with him? It sounds like you want to fight this guy. It sounds like you'd like to hit this guy. You happen to be in the one field where you can. Now you're going to have to wait, but I already got the cage set up. I already got the camera crew coming in. I've already got the athletes here. Are you sure you want me to send him home? If you defeat him, he's out. Would you like to send him home that way? Or do you want me to step in and have to be dad here and make the decision? Because Dana's like, I, I saw what you guys saw. He's eligible. I can take care of this. But here's your two options. Because if I do, if I push the nuclear button, which you're asking me to do, you do not then also get to get in the cage with him. Those are your options. And the guy, to a man, it was unanimous. No, whoa, we hadn't thought about it that way. Keep him around. It's a very, at least commonalities, some things do line up with John. 
And no matter how mad you are at John, and with all of the evidence that we have right now, even a blind juror could see the guilt, but that's not how the system works. And you don't want it to work that way. You don't want it to work that way. You want it to be able to play out. It's important. And the UFC and the power that they have doesn't go away just because the days move on. Don't forget that. The UFC has not said, John's cool in the gang and we're going to go off the law and whatever the law does is going to be enough. And if the law decides everything's fine, then everything's fine with us. They haven't said anything. All they have said is that the order of the decisions will start with the legal process. That's important. It's very important because I'm reading a lot of really odd comments coming towards Dana. Dana didn't do anything wrong. It was quite the opposite. Dana had a beautiful week. Dana put on beautiful event known as the pay-per-view, but he also put on an event where he recognized guys for past hard work known as a Hall of Fame. He did nothing wrong to drop this in his lap. And don't forget the statement. Dana hasn't cleared anybody. He's allowed himself to reserve that decision for a moment in time. To me, that sounds reasonable. That looks reasonable. And before you want a knee-jerk reaction and you want something done right now, remember what the release will do. If you think a release just means John never gets the pleasure of the experience of competing in the UFC again, guys, he hasn't competed in the UFC in a meaningful period of time. Has no active contract to do that. Doesn't have a license anywhere. I think for you, the fan... Nothing would change. Yet you don't want to see John Jones? You haven't seen John Jones. See what I'm saying? If somebody was to relinquish control of that contract, they would relinquish control of the situation that you want dealt with. Be patient. This is reasonable. Dana's right. Let's move away from John Jones and turn the focus of today's show on the fallout of UFC 266, beginning with Volkanovski, and then I'll talk about Valentina Shevchenko after that. Guys, let's talk featherweight. Volkanovski, specifically. There are three options available right now. So I want you to respond, I want to hear from you, but I want you to do it within the confines that I'm setting up now, which is three options. Option A, unemployment. What do I mean by unemployment? Well, if Volkanovski doesn't get a fight, he's unemployed. When you have your ear and Max Holloway tied up in the future, which appears to be a glaringly obvious number one contenders fight, but it's still in the future. And you got Volkanovsky, who at the post-fight press conference only asked for one thing, which is activity. He furthered his claim and bolstered his request of activity by saying, I'll even leave the weight class. That wasn't a typical guy banging his chest, trying to talk about I'm the greatest or any of these things. He didn't even call for a title fight. He just said, I will go to 155. If it gets me another match sooner, I want to fight. Now, we have to listen to that. Because if you're not going to show a level of respect to the request of the champion, what in the hell is the point of talking to him in the first place? You ever had anybody do that to you? I can remember being in a bar with my dad. We were at a sports bar. My dad liked to to, uh, bet on the horses. I was 22 years old. I was in there with him. The gal comes up and she says to me, how old are you? And I said, 22. And she says, show me your ID. And I was taking it out of my wallet, but I'm thinking, ma'am, if you weren't going to believe me, why did you ask me in the first place? Like, we could have skipped the whole conversation of how old I was if the ID is coming out anyway. And it just seems like one of these spots. Why ask Volkanovsky his opinion and what he would like to do if we're not going to listen to it and show our, our best ability to accommodate it, thus respecting it? Why? So you got one option of unemployment. The next option is Giga. 
Giga is your next option at 145 pounds, particularly not only for the two things that Volkanovsky wants. One is to be busy. Giga's ready today. I spoke to Giga today. He is ready to fight right now, just to clear any of that up. Secondly, Volkanovsky would like, and he didn't mention this in the post-fight press conference, but he has alluded to it several times. He would like some parody. If I have to fight Max again, then I'll fight Max again. But he would like some parody coming in there. And Giga would be, definitely be new and fresh. As amazing as the fight is between Max and your ear, and that is an ama- that pops off the page. Cannot wait for that match. Max is still the favorite. So if we're go off, if we're to go off of what's supposedly going to happen, then you are setting up Volkanovski to go and fight Max for the third time. How many times does Volk have to do it? And this is coming from a guy that believes Volk lost both of those fights. I think that Max won the first fight. I thought Max clearly won the second fight. At the same time, I can't put that on Volkanovski. I can't put my opinion on Volkanovski and say that he has to go out there and do it again and again and again and again. I mean, where does that end? If Max goes out and beats Volkanovski, you don't think that Volkanovski deserves? Uh, right? Volkanovski's given him two opportunities. That would constitute three. If Max succeeded in one of those, you don't think Volkanovski's owed one? So then we go out to the fourth fight. Between, I mean, do you see where at some point we got to get on with it? Giga represents, to a very high degree, getting on with it. Now, we can't turn our back on the idea of Max earning his way back to a title fight. So we're juggling a lot of things here, right? If we're not turning our back on the chance of Max re-getting a shot, then how many things does Max have to do well until he gets the shot? Look, I get it stuff. I'm not passing a judgment here. I'm asking you guys to share an opinion. But that's what you're looking at, and that's the argument to Giga. Now, I would be very strong on on Giga or Bust, because I thought, as early as this morning, it was between putting Volkanovski on ice, one thing that he doesn't want to do, or putting him in there with Giga. I thought it was as obvious as that, but now Henry Cejudo has come out with a very compelling challenge, and it's compelling for one reason. It is the first time I have heard Henry Cejudo speak In two years, there was no gimmick. There was no gimmick. For a guy to come out and call somebody out, particularly over social media, and look for a level of attention, there are some call-outs that are so ridiculous that Dana, even if he was interested, isn't even going to call and ask you if you want to do it. He's going to know that you're working in the first place. He's going to know that you were not serious in the first place. He will know that you're looking for attention. He's not going to waste his time. He's done this too long. He picks up on clues. Henry's challenge to Volkanovsky was the real Henry Cejudo. Not the king of cringe, not the champ champ, not Triple C. This was Henry Cejudo. And he was speaking as a competitor. And he had plenty of beautiful things to say about Volkanovsky. The only slide he put in there, you Alexander the Great, he called him Alexander the Average. But that was the only shtick that was done. He spoke about himself, about his own wrestling, spoke about his height, pointed out the the, the height difference and how he thinks that that could help him. Talked about the pressure that he can nullify. Talked about the motivation of having an opportunity to be the first ever triple champion. It was just a very real, it's a very pure interview. You are going to be left with Does Henry at all deserve that? And if you're Dana and you got a guy who you gave an opportunity and then he walked away from your belt and left a a division in shambles, do you want to bring him back in? Or are you going to learn from the mistakes of your past, not want to give Henry the opportunity? for uh, What if Henry wins and then he walks away and does it to you again? The old expression, fooled me once, right? But but, but fooled me twice. I mean, it's, it's a tough spot. So all these things are up in the air. I would bring to you that I do believe that Henry is serious and that if he is called and he is offered that opportunity, that he would take it. We know Volkanovsky would take it. Volkanovsky is willing to go up a weight class and take on Poirier and company, for goodness sakes. I don't know if you could say, I'd like to hear, I'd like to hear. I don't know if you guys will hedge towards, yes, let's bring in Henry, that's great, former champion, makes all the sense, over that of an active, hungry, successful fighter in Giga. 
Or if you subscribe to, no, this Max, your ear, number one contenders fight, and so your champion, Volk, who's done everything right, has to remain unemployed. But those are your three options. Tell me what you think. Valentina, the bullet, Shevchenko, was talking about Amanda Nunes. Now, this was great. And hear me out. The bullet, talking about Amanda, said, I don't believe she, meaning Amanda, wants to do the trilogy fight. Because she, Amanda, knows in her heart she was gifted a victory that she truly lost to the smaller girl. Great. Leave it at that. And let me tell you why that's perfect. It's perfect because no one wants to see this fight. Valentina says that she should have beaten Amanda. I remember at the time when that fight happened, thinking before the announcement was made, I think Valentina just beat Amanda. But I don't remember anything else about the fight, and I want to ask you a real honest question. Do you? Do you remember that fight? Because it's happened not once, it's happened twice. First off, did you know that? Most likely no. If you're a hardcore, you did. Okay, great. Do you remember what happened? I'm not trying to be a dick about this at all. I'm trying to prove one point that Valentina is missing. And this is a girl that doesn't miss very much. But fighters do this all the time where they're so close to the trees they can't see the forest. Amanda versus Valentina is not a fight the world wants to see. Nobody is talking about, and I do mean nobody, is asking to see those two fight except the bullet. Now, I appreciate that. I respect that in the bullet so much. I respect the true gritty competitor that she is. That being queen of the world in mixed martial arts, the hardest sport ever made, and she is the best at it, that she is not satisfied. I respect it so much. And the reason this statement is perfect. Nobody talks about Amanda. You can't get girls in Amanda's weight class, which by the way is two. Two different divisions, and you can't get anybody to speak up and say that they want to fight her, say that they can beat her, or why. When you get a girl to come forward and ask for the fight, it's a badge of courage, and they're pounding their chest saying, I'm not scared, put me in. They don't even say, I'm going to beat her. I mean, Amanda is really this territory that you stay the hell away from. So the fact that the bullet is not, and it's not an act, we know it's not an act because she's done it not only once, she's done it twice and is trying to do it a third time. That is so cool. But back to why the statement is perfect. This is how things do become a big fight. Valentina starts talking about it. She starts aiming her cannon, which means her team of supporters, her social media, her base in one direction and then gets them talking. If she can succeed about getting other people talking about it, then you can get a response from Amanda and or her team. Now that back and forth is going to have to happen before Dana gets asked about it. Dana is gonna quickly dismiss it as a way of keeping the conversation going. I mean, this is the first step in how a big fight happens. The first step is somebody asks for it. The second step is they get a response. The third step is you get the promoter to weigh in, generally to say no, just to see what comes back. And then, if everything goes right, you need a lot of pieces to come into place here, you can actually have the fight. And when and if they do it, it needs to be a big fight. I am not looking to be the skunk at the garden party and tell you that it's not, but it's not. It wasn't the first time. It wasn't the second time. It would be not be right now. That doesn't mean with time that it couldn't be. And I think Valentina is well within her rights to make her claim and make her statement, particularly because we know that she has the courage to actually do it. I'm bringing this to you because this, for these two right now, Amanda and Valentina, should be right where it is, which is in the introductory talking phase. If that fight was to get signed today and be in the ring later this calendar year, that's not a main event. That's not guaranteed to be a co-main event aside from the fact that they are bringing a, a level of championship. So you get a, a natural placement. 
It's just not a big fight. That would be a very hard fight. I don't know what the meaning of that fight would be unless Amanda came to 125 pounds. And don't think you have to correct me and tell me she's not going to do it. I'm well aware of that. Or Valentina goes up to 135 but relinquishes at 125. If Valentina bumps up to 135 to do the champ champ thing, but then has to go back down to 125, we haven't solved anything. If Valentina bumps up to 135 and gets beat and can just return back to 125 pounds, which only strengthens the argument I'm making now that she's the best fighter in the world at 125, stay at 125, make them all come to you. We just don't achieve anything, right? Valentina bumps up, loses to Manda for a third time, and we still have this. My stance doesn't change. I don't now come in and say, oh, well, Amanda's better than Valentina. She beat her three times. No, I'm still left with the piece of evidence that I have right now, which is that's not Valentina's weight class. Valentina has every right to lose. It would not change or affect rankings or legacy at all. It wouldn't even change the debate of who the pound-for-pound pound best fighter is because Valentina is giving up the pounds. It's just not a fight anybody wants to see. I love that Valentina wants it. I really do truly respect that in her. And it's tough to get a back and forth with Amanda. Of all the fighters that I have met, the two, and I'll put them in categories, females. The two sweetest females I've personally ever met. You want to know who it is? This might really surprise you. Do you want to know who it is? Chris Cyborg and Amanda Nunes. And if you knew the reputation of those two within the industry, meaning people that have to work with them and see them and behind the scenes and there's no camera, who are they really? Amanda Nunes and Chris Cyborg, they're just wonderful people. They treat people nicely. It's hard to get a back and forth going with someone like that. Amanda might look mean and scary, but it's just that. She looks mean and scary. She is not. She's very nice. It's going to be very hard to get something going with Amanda, not to mention if Amanda were looking for something big, she does have it out there. It does currently exist for Amanda, or at least it's starting to form. And But that's Kayla Harrison. If they could get in the right promotion and they can get the weight class right and Amanda can agree, there's a real story there because they are current teammates, former training partners. That in of itself sells. They are currently under the same roof, managed, cornered, same people. They don't touch each other. According to Kayla, she said, we used to work out, and Amanda was feeling, I'm a problem, and I'm a potential future opponent, and she no longer will work out with me. Great. I don't care if that's true or not. I believe it is true. I don't care. That's a fantastic story. And if we're talking about a big fight, all we're talking about is the better story. So having this undefeated, multiple-time Olympic champion who you used to work out with, who still trains in the same facility but no longer with you, or you have a match against a gal who's leaving her weight class who you've already beaten twice. I mean, do you just see the difference in the story? So Valentina's doing everything right. If that's the one that keeps her hungry and that's the one she wants to straighten out and she wants to get that fight, then I want it for her. I can't remember a time that Valentina has ever asked us, the community, for anything. She's given us a lot. She gave us a lot as recently as five days ago. I can't remember the last time she asked us to give her something. So I would happily do my part. I would come on board. And Valentina, if that is the one that she wants, that's the one that can't get away. My career cannot be complete until I get part three. If that is really what she wants, I want it for her. And she is doing it right which is to keep the conversation going. But at this point, she started it, that's right. She's continuing it, that's right. Unless she gets some help, unless other people come in and start making that same demand, we now have our answer. That is not, for now, that is not a big fight. So if you fight in the UFC, we can all agree you're probably a badass, but there's one guy that's more badass than everyone else. That's coming up, but first, a word about today's sponsor. Guys, is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Be honest. I'll be transparent back. I have, at times in my life, struggled in these areas, and I didn't get through it by myself. Better help. 
is a great online therapy and counseling platform that allows you to reach out for help from the privacy of your own home. This is not a crisis line, guys. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. You can start communicating with a professional counselor in under 48 hours. And that's good news for some of us who need help immediately. There is a broad range of expertise available, which may not locally be available in your area, especially if your state is still shut down because of the pandemic. This service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You will get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room like you do with traditional therapy. It's more affordable than traditional counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit BetterHelp.com slash to join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. BetterHelp is offering my listeners 10% off a month of service, so don't hesitate to reach out and get help now. Visit BetterHelp, that's better, H-E-L-P dot com slash Sunnen, and get started. Dan Hooker is going to fight Islam Makhlchev. Is there anything that Dan Hooker could do to prove what a badass he is? I mean, can we all agree on that? The X's and O's of that fight, let's save it. Let's, let's break that down later. It really doesn't matter who you think is going to win or who the favorite will be going in. Is there anything that Dan Hooker could do to make us value him as a competitor more than this? How would you like to fight in the UFC? True question. How would you like to fight in the UFC? And a few of you are going, yeah, I mean, it'd be a dream come true. And some of you are going, well, you know, if you if you mean literally, no, I, I think I'd rather watch it. Okay, great. So now that we've eliminated some people, the people whose hands are still remaining up, how would you like to fight in the UFC? Great. Now let me ask you another question. How would you like to fight in the UFC if you can't train for it? How many of you are still holding your hand up? That is not only what Dan Hooker is agreeing to go and do. It's what he just did last weekend. He's not prepared. These All these city kickboxing guys are talking about it. They're talking about, man, we're going to have to leave New Zealand. We're going to come to the States. We're not allowed to assemble, to get together, to prepare. Now, I understand that can't be a literal statement. You just can't have the success of Adesanya. You just can't be in the, the, the physical shape of Volkanovski. You can't be taking two fights back-to-back like Dan Hooker without getting some workouts in, but can we agree it's not ideal? Can we agree if these guys are saying they're going to leave their home country because they have no choice? Can we agree that they're they're at least not preparing the way that they would like to prepare and they're still getting these results? Dan Hooker, I mean, he he just got one by the skin of his teeth. I mean, that's what you would think. He barely makes it into the country in time to barely get to the scale. I don't know when he slept, must have been jet-lagged, right? Grab a few hours in there, go to the arena, take care of business. By the way, gets his hand raised, calls out Benny Darush before he has time to get a response. Another fight falls apart within his weight class, which is how Islam became available. And Dan Hooker jumps on the grenade. What more can Dan Hooker do? The guy's perfect. He comes in, he's entertaining as hell. Before he leaves, he sets something up for himself on the way out the door. He doesn't just try to look tough on camera like 90% of the guys do. He gets a call behind the scenes that none of us would have known he got. With a built-in excuse of how travel is, what training situation looks like, He brings none of it up, and this is private. He could have done it privately and still look like a tough guy in front of the world. Turns out he is a true tough guy, and now the world sees it. I mean, again, that fight, you have polarizing styles. Let's save that for another day. And as much as I'm crediting Hooker, I need to give close to that same credit to Islam. Islam's life just changed greatly as well. Islam knew he had to fight. He was preparing for it, his weight's getting under control, things like this. But he has a a very different style. Just the body type of Dan Hooker, 
juxtaposed with that of RDA. This is very different match for Islam. And Islam's been telling anybody that will listen, anyone, anywhere, anytime, he's now been called on it and also passed the test. Everything that Hooker went through, and what does Hooker do between now and then? Where is Dan Hooker right now? And if Dan Hooker sees this, Dan, contact me. We've communicated through DM, DM on Twitter before. Get a hold of me. My Twitter's not letting me DM you for whatever. I don't know how Twitter rules work, but all of a sudden I can't. Con- but contact me. I want to have you on. I just want to ask you a few very simple questions. Where are you right now? Because if you're still in the States, I'm going to guess that you are going to stay in the States to not have to deal with all of these logistical issues that you had. And I believe that the fight with Islam and Dan is going to take place in Fight Island. So if I'm right, if Dan is still in America... The way that flight works is they charter a jet from Las Vegas. So if Dan's at, at least here, he could be getting workouts. He could be preparing. One thing we know about Dan Hooker, and we, we found out Saturday, this is not an opinion, this is a fact. Even in situations that are far less than ideal, he has the level of responsibility and discipline and respect for the sport, for you, the audience, and for his own career to figure it out. So however good you think Dan Hooker is, however good you think he looked over the weekend, you now have to exemplify that if we can get him in a more ideal training situation, which Las Vegas does provide. He could do it right there at the PTI. He can go out to Extreme Couture. There's a a number of places that he could, and I suspect will go, but I don't know where he is. He would have had no reason to stay in the States. His plane ticket would have flown him home first thing Sunday morning. Did he do that? If he did do that, what's the preparation look like? Is he sure he can get out? Can he get back to Abu Dhabi? Remember the last time he went to Abu Dhabi and he had to stay there? I forget how long he was there. I call it 50 days. I know I'm wrong on that. But it might have been much more. He might have been there. There's a part of me that wants to say it was like 70 days. It was something ridiculous. He does not flinch to agree to go back through that mess again. And his only reward is he's going to get a fight. Islam Makhlchev in front of the world in a steel cage? I mean, truly, is there anything that Dan Hooker could do to prove to us any more clearly he is a legit badass? Now, I mentioned Henry Cejudo earlier in the show talking about Volkanovski, but a lot of you guys are talking about Cejudo this week and what a return to competition would look like for him, so let's talk about it. Henry Cejudo, what do you do there? If you're the one that has to make the decision, and Henry Cejudo, a fantastic, popular fighter, calls you and says he wants to fight, and you're in the business of making fights, what do you do there? It would seem obvious you give him a fight right at, well, okay, I think that that's exactly what Dana would say. I think Dana would say this is a no-brainer. Get a call from Henry Cejudo. I book fights. He wants to fight. Let's get him a match. You'd start with a real simple question when you're dealing with Henry, which is what weight class are we discussing? Guy's covered the spread and says he wants to continue to cover it a little bit more. What weight class are we discussing here? Now, it's not as simple as it may appear when Henry is specifically asking for Volkanovski, which means he's asking to return to a main event for the world championship in a class he's never competed in before. Big ask, but that doesn't mean you reject it. What do you do? Now, there's many sins within the UFC. None bigger than the the number one policy in the UFC is do say. You do what you say you're going to do. They will treat you the same, but if you go against that, you're breaking the code, not good. Aside from that, the biggest thing that you can do is to walk away from the belt. It's a big deal. It's a very, very big deal. Just accept that. I can't fully explain to you why, but it is. And that's what Henry did. Now, that doesn't mean Henry becomes persona non grata. It doesn't mean you take away any of the great deeds that he did. It just means you give consideration before putting him in a position where he might do the same thing to you again. That's all it means. So you have to find a way to overcome that. 
and Henry, who's going to be one half of this negotiation, except he's the one that asked for it, right? That changes things. If you asked for it, you're now in the weaker position, and that's okay. You're going to be in one of the two. You're going to negotiate from the strong point or from the weak point, but either way, if you're at the table, you're at the table. You've got to do the best that you can. Henry, if I'm the one talking to him, I'm going to have to ask, Henry, here's what you did to me once. If this is about champ, champ, champ business, and it's all selfish and it's all for you, I can't blame you. I get it. Competition gets to be very selfish, but I am playing chess. I got to set up a board here. I got to have number one contenders matches going in conjunction with world title matches. Are you going to do this again? No, no, I would never do it again. Okay, great. Then here's what we're going to do, Henry. I'm going to give you that fight. Right after you beat and fill in the blank. Meaning, I'm going to put you in a number one contenders match. I have to. The only way that I know that you're coming back for more than a one-off is if I make you go first and I'll give you the match. But that's going to guarantee me I get what I want, which is two. Now, I don't want you walking away from my belt in the first place. But opinions can change, including yours. You may tell me right here today that's not what you're going to do. You have the right as a human being to change your mind. I don't, I'm not going to hold it against you. But I need you to do this first. I need to know that you're serious. I, know that, I need to know that you're training. I need to know this is not a cash grab. Most times, more times than not, when somebody leaves the sport and returns, it's for one reason, which is the money. I need to know this is about competition. I need to. I need to know you're serious. I need to know this isn't a shtick. I need to know that you can still do it. I need to assess you. I need to see you. And here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to put you in a big, beautiful match. But you're going to have to do a match nonetheless. Now, that may not be how that conversation goes at all. But if it doesn't go that way, then I would predict for you it just doesn't happen. And I think that that's the spot that Henry's in right now. I do not think this who gets to fight Volkanovski next. Are we going to wait for the winner of Holloway versus Rodriguez? Are we going to go with Henry or are we going to put Geek in? I don't, I don't think we have those three options anymore. I believe right now, not only will Henry not get the fight, I don't believe Henry will get a phone call to discuss the fight. So Henry's going to need to see, why am I not getting a phone call? What have I done wrong? I'm a very good fighter. I got people that want to see me. It's an interesting match. I'm bringing a good story. Why can I not get off the ground? I would only submit for you that that is why. Look, you're going to have to find a way to solve that problem. It's not the world's biggest deal. Henry's not in a bad spot. It's just the spot that he's in. The spot that he's in is, look, this is, this is not a one-off. I want Volkanovski, but then I'll, I'll spread that right back to whoever you deem the number one contender. The way the landscape looks right now, it's going to be the winner of Max Sharir. I won't complain. Bring him on one after the next. It's, it's one of those things. But to take you at your word when you're saying this versus the actions of Giga. It's one thing to hear what a guy says. It's another thing to stand back and see what he does. Giga is who you want. There's not a lot of guys like Giga. You got Giga, you got Dan Hooker. Help me out here, guy. Well, Marvin Vittori would fall into that same category. Wants to stay busy, wants to stay active. Kelvin Gatslam's always been that guy. I'm running out of fingers here, guys, but I'm also running out of, of names. Who else wants to be real active? Who else wants to stay real busy? Who else is hungry? Who else wants the turnaround? Doesn't want to sit and think. Tell me what makes sense. Let me talk. Let me sit down and talk with my team. Do you want to compete or not? You're only going to be offered this three times a year, you lazy prick. My father, God rest his soul, if he ever found out I went into a business where I only worked three days a year, he'd roll over in his grave. <laughs> he'd be disgusted. And some of you were finding reasons not to do it when it's only three days a year? Goodness sakes. I can't relate. I cannot relate. I do not get it. I come from an actual competitive background. In wrestling, I never agreed to take on anybody in my life. I showed up every Saturday blindly, not knowing who else was going to show up and stepping on the mat with them when my name got called. I could not imagine taking the lessons that I learned from that amateur background, coming over to the pros, overthinking my career, and remaining unemployed, and then being proud about it. Like I outsmarted somebody. If you say no to a fight, you've outsmarted nobody. You've made yourself unemployed. 
Now, I'm going in a completely different direction. If I can refocus to Henry Cejudo, because I don't want this one to get away. I think Henry matters. I think Henry still matters. I thought Henry was bluffing and being silly the night that he retired. It turns out he was not. He meant it. The company took him at his word, and they moved on. But I continue to hear so-and-so training with Henry. Henry training with so-and-so. And I can all the way, Mike Tyson and Henry were getting workouts in. And I just wondered, what does that mean? What does that look like to train with Henry Cejudo? Why is Henry Cejudo training? And for what? For what? So I'm merely asking a question. Why is Henry training? Why is Henry staying busy? It would appear because he wants to fight again, which makes you wonder why he ever left in the first place. And don't forget the way Henry's contract worked. He was beautiful. Championship matches are beautiful. Now you're in on the participation of the whole night. The whole entire, you get to be a partner without buying in. The only business in the world that somebody will give you a piece of without you buying in is if you are the champion in the UFC. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. He walked away from it. Okay, all that tells us is he was serious, but now we are getting mixed messages. Why is Henry training? What is he training for? Maybe we have our answer. To come back, go at 145 pounds, and pursue his third MMA championship. It'd be his fourth championship overall. If that is what he wants to do, how does he now get it? And it's not that easy. Henry Cejudo is a lot of wonderful things. He is not George St. Pierre. And George St. Pierre, after he crossed the same line of walking away from the belt... Had a more difficult time getting back in and getting what he wanted to do. It's a real thing. Whether you like it or understand it or not, it's important that you recognize it if you're coming up with your strategy of how you're going to approach this. And it's a piece that Henry needs to be aware of so we can deal with it. And there are many ways to solve this problem. There really are. I'm, I'm not confident in telling you guys that we're going to see Henry and Volkanovsky for Henry's return fight. I'm not confident in telling you it now. I wouldn't be confident five months from now or even a year from now. I am very confident in telling you if Henry called the organization, if he stayed within the USADA pool, which I believe that he did, if not, he could re-enter, work out those logistics that he definitely could get a fight at 145 pounds. To be guaranteed a number one contender's fight is a very rare thing. Generally, you will just look at your bo at the board, put yourself in a position, and then you're still going to have to navigate. You're still going to have to get the mandate of the masses, but now you're going to have a platform to do it. You're going to have the media to do it, to take your shot. Other guys are doing the same thing. It gets competitive. You see what sticks. Generally, that's the best you can get. These are words of Vince McMahon, but they're actions of Dana White, which is the only thing I'm ever going to give you is an opportunity. What you do with it is up to you. So I only suggest for you that Henry can come back. Henry can come back into a beautiful spot. Henry to even get a dialogue about coming back. If he's starting at the top, which is Volkanovsky, is going to make everybody's feathers go up and say, okay, he wants to grab the strap and walk away. I, I don't do that. It's a long-term play. I'm the promoter. I'm going to put $10 million behind a fight. But I don't have to get all 10 back tonight. I have three fights with that same athlete if I can shine him up pretty enough, I can spread my ROI over three events. It's one of these things. I mean, these are the calculations. These are the politics that go into making these decisions. I don't think Henry's aware of that. I think Henry's doing what Henry should do. Training. If he wants to fight, raise your hand and say, I want to fight. Calling out the top dog, laying out his case. All very good things to get a fight. Maybe not that fight today. And I think as the days are going by and we can eliminate Henry from the board for Volkanovsky in the short term, it does rise up the one other guy that showed up for this job interview. The one other guy that said, put me in. The one other guy that's available. The one other guy whose actions have spoke equally as loud or louder than his words, Giga. close out today's show. Let's look ahead to Saturday night, which features a big fight in the UFC's light heavyweight division. 
Tiago Santos versus Johnny Walker. I officially am picking Johnny Walker. Now, there's a lot of moving parts here. If you have followed both of these guys' career, somewhat different trajectories while being the same theme, which is this. Red Hot, huge expectation, stub their toe, starting over. I don't know in the last two years if anybody has come in. Johnny Walker came in so hot. Think of what's going on with Patty the Batty right now. Patty the Batty has one fight and has done a good job of getting his fair share of headlines in comparison to anybody else who's only done it one time. Right? Patty the Batty, is, it's kind of a thing. It's catching on. He's screwed up the last two weeks. He's kept his name out of the headlines. Patty's still got some growing and some learning to do about this business, but he still did a damn good job in comparison to anybody else who in the last two years has only walked out there once. Why do I bring him into this? Well, Johnny Walker came in with that same level of expectation. Johnny captivated the audience. He made some funny faces. He said some funny things in post-fight interviews. He had a pretty wild style. He had great length for the division. He had a real power. And all of this was happening as we, the community, were searching for somebody to not only fight, but to beat John Jones. Very relevant. Johnny Walker and the expectation that he had ties directly into John Jones, largely because Johnny was so tall and so long. Many people have thought that John's greatest attribute is that height and length, at least for the division. And they thought that Johnny could be the one to nullify it. All right. It is important that you understand that, though, because even in the absence of John Jones, here Johnny is, going back two years, he walks into Madison Square Garden to take on Corey Anderson. Johnny was a heavy favorite and even being discussed by the media. Never heard Dana say it, but the media starts those conversations first, and they bring it to Dana, and the media was started the conversation of, if Johnny gets the jump on Corey Anderson, can he go straight in there against John Jones? And then you started hearing from many of Johnny's workout partners. I heard from several of them who were in the room in Thailand, of all places, with Johnny working specifically stand-up. Said, this guy's phenomenal. This guy's absolutely amazing. Now, I've never seen anything to detour me from believing that that's accurate, and he is very amazing. When you play that risky game and you get hit on the chin, sometimes it doesn't go your way. MMA 2 plus 2 is not 4. And if you believe the better fighter wins, you're missing the sport. It's on that specific night, in those moments of that night, whoever, it's not the better fighter that wins, it's whoever fights best. That's who wins. And unlike other sports, I don't love the word luck. I don't love the while he got lucky. I don't love that. But there are times when I'm speaking to you guys, I don't have another word. I don't have another word to explain. Look, that punch got through did so much damage with the four-ounce gloves on because of the positioning of the targeted hit as well as the trajectory it was thrown by the offensive man that it ended the evening. I don't know what else to call that but luck. When two great guys are, are competing, but one is clearly better in the stand-up and he's the one that fell down, I don't know another word to use. So, I don't believe that Johnny Walker is any worse today than he ever was. I think he fights a risky style where anything can happen. Speaking of anything can happen, Tiago Santos is not the guy to go play with. He's just not. Tiago Santos has one intention, and it's bad. He'll kick you in the leg and hope your nose breaks. He'll punch you in the nose and hope your toe breaks. He's got bad intentions. He's a rough, rough guy. I've spoke to him. I'll personalize it. I've spoke to him one time in my life. He was on a stretcher being put into an ambulance in the back of T-Mobile Arena after he had his world title fight with John Jones. And I simply said to him, Tiago, awesome fight. That was it. He waved and said thank you, but I bring it to you because if you go back to that night, why have things been different for Tiago since that night? Many people thought that Tiago won that fight. One of the judges thought he won. I mean, this was a split decision. I thought it was three rounds to two, Tiago. I don't cry foul ball. It was an extremely close fight. I thought it was three rounds to two, Tiago. Only point being, you must have had a damn good performance. I mean, to have anybody think, whether even if they're wrong, but have anybody think that you just beat John Jones, you must have done a really good job. Well, he did. And in sport, right, it's just like life. Whatever goes up must come down. And it's very tough when you're burning red hot to do anything but to cool off.
So when you go out there and you overperform, when you go out there and you have the night of your life, it's very tough to return to that. Now, we will see fighters that use that as a springboard. That was their motivation. That They bounce from there. But we'll see much more fighters that don't. Or they will think, if I could go that close with the GOAT, then even not returning to form, I can still beat everybody else. That mistake gets made more than any other mistake when somebody has a level of success. And that was successful. Even to lose that fight after going the distance in a main event for the world championship and having one judge believe that you should be the world champion, it was a successful night. So Tiago has to deal with that, right? Deal with deal with the down while also dealing with those knee injuries. You guys will remember that night. It was an MCL in one leg. It was an ACL in the other leg. So now it's not a matter of motivation or how bad he wants it or what kind of drive he has towards training. He can't do anything. For eight months, I'm going back in time, but to, just to explain why maybe he hasn't looked quite the same since, he wasn't in the same opportunity. He couldn't go in there and train. So now this fight largely for me does, I, I get the X's and O's. The X's and O's is Tiago's power versus the, the dynamics of Walker. I got that. In some ways, that would favor Santos because he only needs one shot. I'm choosing to make my bet here based on a mentality of who wants it more. Now, who wants it more is never anything that you or I would know the answer to, but we can attempt to make a guess for who we believe needs it more. And Johnny Walker, who's an up-and-comer who suffered not just one, but two losses, who lost some of those media opportunities, who lost placement on a card, even for a temporary time, is also extremely hungry, reminiscent of the fact that he changed camps, which meant he not only moved, he left the country. That's dedication. I must compliment him on that. I must compliment. I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to leave home. I don't want to go live somewhere else. I don't want to be the new kid in class. I think you guys can relate to that. He probably didn't want to either, but he saw it as the best opportunity to put himself in a position to be successful. That has to mean something. We're not going to see the distance here, right? I know Chael gets them wrong a lot in terms of the prediction, but I'll give you a couple more predictions. We will not see the distance here. We will see somebody get finished. It's going to be a good fight, and they're going to trade back and forth. I'm predicting for you that the better of that when the night is over favors Johnny Walker. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Remember... If you want more from Uncle Chael, I've got a YouTube channel and TikTok account. Follow me on those places. Tell your friends about them. And most importantly, review our show on Apple Podcasts. Go have a great weekend. I'll be back here next Wednesday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. <laughs>